Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, smash that subscribe button, uh, and uh, tell uh, you know the next person that you see anywhere across the office, across the hall, you know, out on the greenway walking while you're listening to this, stop that person and tell them you're listening to Lamestream Sports <laughs> right now. They should too. It won't be creepy at all. There, th- yes, there you go. All right. So last week on the show, Steve, we presented to you the council position from Nashville Metro against the Titan Stadium deal that, again, the term sheet has already been voted on and approved, I believe 29 to 10. Uh, this week on the show, we are going to give you the other side of the argument from the mayor's office. Benjamin Eagles, of course, uh, representing John Cooper in this discussion, uh, is going to join us on the show today. Give us a lot of information and in, in the mayor's perspective on all the costs, all the debates, all the value propositions that are going into this big stadium deal, Steve. So um, hopefully you'll get uh, the second side of this, the other side of the perspective. Uh, eventually, Steve, you and I will have an opinion on this. <laughs> Ben's a really smart guy. He's a senior advisor to the mayor. Uh, he's been in the middle of he's been in the middle of virtually every big initiative that the that the mayor's that Mayor Cooper has had here over the last three and a half years. He's a good a, a good spokesman for them, and and uh, it, it was a really good discussion. I, I want to get Bob and Ben to just argue at a bar somewhere. Perhaps, no. perhaps uh, no, I have no interest in that. <laughs> perhaps. Whatsoever. Because Ben is already, and you'll, as you'll learn, Ben, huge fan of Jaspers, huge fan of Jaspers, huge Here's fan of Jaspers. We could get him. We could get him do a, do a do a town hall at Jaspers. You know, in the game room with some air hockey going on. The parking would be free. No one would have to pay for parking to come down for it. I mean, Jaspers, the Jaspers maybe. Town Hall. I like it. The, Jas- the Jaspers Town Hall. Flatbreads for everybody. It's and three dollar beers, of course, during Preds games. Three dollar beers during Preds games, home and road, and during town hall discussions about stadium contracts that's also what happens uh at jaspers so go to jaspers everybody because lamestream sports is brought to you by jaspers that's right that's right uh all right uh we've got some thoughts we will react to what ben had to say and then i've got some we got some recommendations for you as well a little bit later on but this was our conversation about the new titan stadium deal from the mayor's office with mr ben eagles Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate it, sir. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Doing great. The only uh, disappointment here is that we're not live at Jasper's, right? But uh, <laughs> thanks for uh, having wow. me on. Well wow. done. Sponsor plug in the well first done. 10 seconds. Oh, God, you're such a shill. I do appreciate it, though. It's fantastic. I, I love that. Um, and uh, again, thanks for joining us. That's all we needed. Uh, talk to you later. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you very much. Um, all right. Obviously, we're here to talk about the, the Titan Stadium deal, uh, the redevelopment of the East Bank. And I guess I just let's get people started on how did we all get here? Uh, there's been many different negotiations ongoing over many different years and administrations. But how did we get to this point right now today with some votes coming up and and uh, a lot of money and a lot of resources on the table? Sure. Uh, so Mayor Cooper was determined to not uh, kind of kick the can down the road on on this big challenge facing the city. So I would begin back in the 90s uh, when the original lease uh, for the current Nissan Stadium was signed. Uh, it was a very team friend, friendly deal, as you all know, for Nashville to become an NFL city meant luring the Oilers from Houston, uh, where the Oilers actually had their own stadium issues. Uh, and, and and if you look into that, it's a bit of a tangent, but if you look into that, um, when they moved into their current uh, stadium, they were actually still, the, the city was paying off um, bonds for a renovation of uh, the Astrodome that they did to try to keep the Oilers. Um, the Oilers left to come to Nashville. Uh, the stadium uh, deal done then under Mayor Bredesen uh, was entirely publicly funded. And it obligated Nashville to maintain the stadium in a in a first class condition for the duration of the lease. And so that, that current lease uh, could run for another 16 years if the team exercised a 10 year extension, uh, which which they have the right to do. Um, so that's a significant obligation on the city. And right now, uh, even within the last three years, I, I think there's just over 30 million dollars um, in um, work done on the stadium to kind of keep it operational um, that the sports authority um, owes the team. Um, so the challenge of, of, of how do we secure the Titans future in Nashville 
um, and sort of rip up that old lease that's that's very burdensome on on the city and friendly to the team and create a structure that brings in uh, funding from the state, funding from the hospitality industry, funding from the team um, and gets us out of that lease and into um, a, a new deal uh, that 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 doesn't burden uh, the general fund of the city, which would have been the source of funding uh, for a renovation to comply with the current lease. So that's kind of how we got here. Um, originally, the mayor and the team were not pursuing a new stadium. It was a renovation path. And um, as we've seen things morph and in, including a better understanding of the, the state of that stadium and, and how much that would cost, um, as well as construction and inflation, um, things finally um, oriented towards a new stadium being a, a more financially uh, prudent path for the city. Let's talk about what the, what the cost of that, uh, of that renovation would be for the Titan stadium, uh, for, for current Nissan stadium. Uh, you're right. The city's on the hook for this, uh, due to the terms of the lease. Uh, what do we know? What do we know for certain that the costs are for that state for, for the, the city's obligation to Nissan right now? Yeah, um, this has been sort of the most talked about um, and, and fraught topic of the entire discussion. Um, anytime you're dealing with a project that this big, and, and I think this would be the single largest capital project in the history of the city, um, you certainly expect there to be a really substantive and, and deep uh, political discourse about the project. There should be. There should be a lot of questions asked. But when you're going into that level of detail in the conversation, um, we shouldn't also, on the same hand, try to dumb down and simplify um, the answer to this question. And so I'm, I'm going to give you my answer, but I would urge all your listeners to go on the East Bank Stadium Committee website and look up. There's the question and answer. It's dozens of pages about all sorts of different questions related to the project. They can skim down to page 27, and I think there's a page or page and a half really thorough breakdown to answer this exact question. But it's a question that the mayor and council uh, chose to commission an expert consulting firm that looks at stadium projects around the country and around the world uh, to try to get an answer for taxpayers and for the council. Uh, so Venue Solutions Group um, went in and looked at the current state of Nissan Stadium and what they found in, in their report, which is also available online, is that it's in worse condition than people imagined. Um, there is some, I think, $362 million worth of, uh, quote, enabling projects that would need to happen um, before you can even uh, do the sort of public-facing amenity sort of improvements that fans would see. Um, $360 million of work just on sort of the plumbing and the infrastructure and the escalators, um, kind of the bones of the stadium. Um, then um, there are two ways that the consultant tried to address the question of kind of first class standard. Um, one is they analyzed the cost of what um, the Titans um, um, engineered design would cost to do. So the Titans had their plan that all sides agreed would be a first class standard. Now, some folks would look at that and say, it's a little bit more than first class. There should be some lower threat threshold that we could do that's not quite what the Titans suggested. Um, but the deal with this lease is unless you go to court, um, there, there are kind of two ways to, to determine the standard, either in court or via negotiation. And so both sides could agree that the Titans plan would be first class, would meet that standard. Um, so Vin Venue Solutions Group looked at that and said that would cost um, all in, including the main maintenance costs, uh, about $1.88 billion. Then the other way of analyzing the question is to look at comparable stadiums. And so um, one that they really dove into detail on is Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, uh, one that's undergone multiple rounds of investment and improvement over time. They hosted a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Um, in today's dollars, the work that was put into Hard Rock to get it up to its first class condition is about 1.3. Um, so there are kind of two ways to answer that question. Um, 
I know there's been some, uh, you know, assertions that our office is like backed away from the Venue Solutions Group report, um, couldn't be further from, from the case. Um, but I would just in, encourage folks to embrace the detail of this answer too. Um, and, and to realize that um, a number today, as we sit here in 2023, you also have to include the cost for the duration of, of the lease and first class standard is evolving. You know, we've we've been to games and stadiums around the country for years and they get nicer. And so 10 or 12 or 15 years from now, one of the comparable stadiums that the Titans would have the right to compare Nissan Stadium to and kind of hold the city to that standard could evolve. Um, so pinpointing the number uh, with certainty uh, has some complexity to it, but I would encourage let your listeners to go to the Venue Solutions Group report and also to page 27 of the Q&A and, and read what the bankers and, and lawyers have, have, have to say about it. The, uh, one of the, one of the frustrations that comes from, uh, that comes from stadium critics is that both of those, whether it's the, the 1.8 or the 1.3 envision something well beyond what Nissan stadium is and that, you wouldn't have to, you don't necessarily have to do a, like, for instance, a canopy structure like Hard Rock or, or, you know, something even beyond that, which is the, which is the 1.8 kind of solution uh, in order to have, uh, in order to have a, a, a much better Nissan stadium experience that the number that the numbers are, are 1.8 and 1.3 here, but, but, the number could also be 800 million or 600 million in there as well. Well, you know, one side of this debate, one side of the conversation has an expert analysis that has been done. Um, engineers and architects, people work in the stadium business professionally for decades. And, and one sort of is just pulling out numbers from a hat. So, I mean, you and I can both start naming numbers that are lower than 1.8 or, or 1.3. I mean, we know a lot of numbers that we could just pull out of a hat that doesn't lend any um, credence to those. That's kind of pure speculation. And so, again, if we're kind of going to dive into this issue in detail and really take it seriously as a public discussion, which we should, I think we should also hold ourselves to a standard of not um, trying to make things up. So, but your point about going to Nissan but, but, Stadium now and saying, well, gosh, couldn't we improve this and make it better and sort of maintain operations of the stadium for less than a billion? The answer is, yeah, uh, you could continue to play football games there for the duration of the lease for less than 1.88 or 1.3. Yes, you could, but you couldn't do that at a first class standard. And so right now, Nissan Stadium and guys, I mean, y'all do this professionally. You, you've gone to more games than I have. That stadium is not first class. And it's oh, not. Oh, a oh we agree on that. It's not even third class. I, I mean, we all agree on that. Um, but 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 Ben, to the but to to the number credit, I mean, and, and, and here's here's why there was a there was a deal in there was a framework in place. With the Briley administration before you guys came in between the team and the and the city to do uh to do a renovation and that number was like I think 360 million dollars and both the both the the Briley people and the and the Titans people uh, agreed that uh, agreed that that was that that was there I I under I I absolutely understand uh what you're saying about 1.8 versus 1.3 versus numbers that aren't uh, n numbers that aren't that critics are throwing out that aren't supported by the analysis that that you guys have done, but there's a big gap here between like 360 million and 1.3 million in the span of just a couple of years, and I and I I wonder why that why we why we leapt to those numbers uh, so quickly. You know, I, I can't really speak to um, a sort of rough proposal that didn't make, make it across the 
finish line under a previous administration. But what I would point to is, again, that hard rock example. And they didn't do um, one renovation that got it up to the current standard. That was several projects over a course of time. And so um, not knowing all the details of, of that proposal, what I would speculate is that uh, that would probably get it up to a certain standard um, for a while. And then we would have had to take another bite at the apple and probably another over the course of the next 16 years. And at that point, 20 years. Um, so, uh, you know, it's an evolving standard. Um, and the other thing that I would point to is, again, that cost of just the enabling projects being $360 million. Um, anytime you start thinking about, as, as Braden said, if we're at a third-class standard now, that $360 does not even move the needle. It just is the enabling project so that you can start to make improvements to the stadium. Um, and once... Venue Solutions Group got into the stadium and did a, a really thorough analysis and understanding of the current state of the infrastructure there. It was worse than anyone knew, um, which I think may speak to the previous number being low. Um, and also there's been um, a lot of inflation and construction costs. And so those two things combined may be factors there, but um, certainly we never uh, were, were thinking about it being that, that low. Well, and I think in the interest of like the hardy political discussion where we sort of are all operating in the own, in our in our city's best interest here, like it, it's sort of how much does a vacation cost, right? Like if you want the 400 million, you can do it. You're going to get X, Y, Z out of that in return. You can do the you can take the Titans at, at face value and say almost two billion and we're going to get X, Y, Z out of that. The, the key is what what is like, in my opinion, as a person who lives five miles away and, you know, my kids are in metro schools and we used to walk, we walked down to the water park there on the riverfront and played in the water when my kids were small. And like, we want that to be a neighborhood where my family can operate. Um, what is it that you get with all the different numbers? I guess that's what I'm curious about because it doesn't matter to me if it's 600 or 900, I, I just want to know what we get out of each of the tiers, right? If there's an, a 1.8 threshold, a 1.3 threshold, a 900 threshold, again, yes, a number we've just fabricated out of thin air, but like yeah. where are, there has to be a decision-making process about what we get in return from these different thresholds. So I guess to me, the hardy conversation is how have you, how has the office thought through what those things are and how, and how different are the benefits or, or risks for, for taxpayers? Good question. Um, on the vacation point, I would say that unless you have a really interesting prenup, uh, you probably don't have a legal obligation to go on a certain standard of trip. Right. Um, in this I case, I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't need the prenup for that to be a, a, a part of the equation. Pressure is expectation. Yeah, it's about it's three hundred. It's, it's about three hundred sixty million baseline to get into the vacation. There's no question about that. <laughs> that would buy quite a nice trip. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with this going back to that original lease, um, that that ties the hand of the city to a great extent and and gives the team a great deal of leverage. And so I think just as the foundation of the conversation, we have to acknowledge that um, it was the deal in the 90s that I think was necessary to get the team. I think most most folks uh, would see it that way. Um, but again, that that first class standard. Means that we have a great deal of investments to do. So it's not as if we can just look at the menu of options and, and pick kind of what we want to spend or what we want to be able to afford. Um, it's, it's, it's a binding standard. And, and again, there, there are two ways that you can agree on that. Um, you can either negotiate and come to an agreement. Um, and in this case, with the backing of, of, of experts who've, who've looked at it, um, or you can go to court and, and, you know, see, see what a judge has, has to say. Um, that, that's typically not a good place for cities to end up. Um, typically does not kind of go well. Uh, but, but, but that lease, that lease was binding. And even if let's go down Steve's path for a minute, let's say it was less than 1.88 or less than the hard rock example of 1.3. I'll let Steve pick an imaginary num uh, 892. Uh, 892. Great. How would we pay for that? And so 
I've heard folks say, well, there's some funding available via the in-stadium sales tax that's currently in, in place. Yes, that is correct. Over a period of many years, stretching out, in fact, longer than the current lease, there is funds available from the in-stadium sales tax that you could pay for some improvements. Um, that would not even cover the enabling projects, but all right, fine. We have that to start with. What are your other sources of funding? The team has a lease that holds the city accountable to pay for it. So they're probably not going to step up and help contribute to something that is our obligation um, to sort of a minimum threat uh, threshold. So what are your other funding sources? Um, as it currently stands, general fund, you're turning to, to taxpayers around the county and saying, you know, essentially via your property taxes, we're, we're going to be paying for stadium improvements. Um, not very attractive. The other funding sources via the state and, and, and the hotel tax, um, those were made available. There was an interest there from both of those parties to contribute to this deal because you're growing the pie. And a, and a nicer stadium that is enclosed uh, brings certain uh, uh, um, economic activity to the table. That's not the case now. So kind of the architecture of the deal, how would we be able to afford it without burdening the taxpayer? That was the fundamental problem that, that the mayor was trying to solve and not kick down the road to, to the next mayor. But it, let me push back here for just a second. I mean, and then we've got other stuff to here to talk about the, if you were in, if you were in that negotiation, you would never start from that position. I mean, you would you would you would likely come you would likely for an eight hundred million dollar project or whatever it would be, uh, you would want a new lease on 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 the end of it, and you would want team particip and you would you would be bargaining with the team for team participation. Why would the that team? Okay, but in in your in your circumstance, why would because you because you because you would be upgrading a stadium and providing new revenue opportunities for them in that stadium. No, we would be fulfilling the basic requirements of an existing lease. And so if you're on the other side of a lease, a binding legal agreement, why would the other party give anything new to the party that is simply complying with their existing legal requirement? I wouldn't do that. If you were a landlord or tenant, that's not how it works. Now, if we were going beyond the current lease and doing something new and different, um, that's one thing. But if you were simply complying with the existing legal, legal obligation that you have under that lease, no, the other party is not going to give you an inch. They have, I would have no reason to. I think I think Amy Adams Strunk would lose her position as most popular human in the city if that were to happen. Um, and they've also said they wouldn't they're, they're not going to leave. Now, that's just posturing maybe publicly, uh, but they've said they're not going to leave. So I, I guess <laughs> people don't like it when uh, billionaires ask for money in general, just in general. Um, that's just a, a normal thing for for regular citizens to feel. And I've, I've heard former mayors of the city say that exact thing. So I, I guess my question is. If if we're on the hook for all that and we're going to spend the money and let's say in the interest of full dis like just in the interest of like transparency here that it's all on the table it's all on the up and up we've got the number whatever it is eight eight hundred one point three one point seven or even a new one I, I am concerned more with how that gets spent and how it develops my city for people like me who live and work and 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 operate inside the area. We, I know about the the mo people know about the motel tax and the one percent. They understand that. They understand the sales tax recapture zone. They understand some of that stuff, even even as complicated as it can be. Um, wh what would you say to people that that want some of that money that's not going to go right back to the Titans into the stadium, but to come to green spaces, affordable housing, neighborhoods, walkable issues, transportation, like all the things that we care about as citizens, and so that it doesn't all just benefit real estate developers, business owners, and the people that are obviously sitting at the top of all of this? Sure. Well, what I would say is that there are ways to think about public funding um, depending on the sources. And so what I'm hearing you talk about maybe is the 500 million from, from the state. If, if you're real, you, you said we've kind of talked about the hotel tax and the capture zone. So what, what are the other is it the state piece? 
Well, no, I just the the whole the whole picture, the whole pie, the whole thing. Okay. We we know we're I I understand the current lease situation and we understand the legal obligations, but let's move it forward and say, all right, if we can't get out of that, we've got to do something new, which is what you guys are doing. So we yes. go to do we do something new. Well, if we've got the opportunity to do something new, how do we make sure it it benefits the most amount of people? I guess maybe is the simplest way to sure. to, to ask it. Yeah. Well, the the first way that it benefits you and your family is it removes the burden on the general fund for a renovation. Um, so that's the first way. Frees up funding to go to other things. Um, and so whether that's schools or public safety or roads, um, anytime you're removing, um, you know, a billion do dollar plus li uh, uh, liability on the city, frees up the city to pursue um, other things uh, with your taxes. Um, the other thing I would point to is on the East Bank, um, you're going to have a, a huge park uh, that goes from the river to the stadium. Um, going to have green space. You're going to have a multimodal boulevard going north-south on, on the East Bank um, with dedicated bus lanes. Uh, first time that the city has 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 done that, um, really moving the ball forward on, 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 on transit. Um, during the RFP process with developers on the East Bank, that's going to result in affordable housing. Uh, the mayor has has worked on um, on finding a home for TPAC on on the east on the East Bank. So you're going to have affordable housing, green space, a transit spine, cultural sites. Um, the East Bank is going to be a lot more than just the stadium. Um, and I would also say that the the sales tax capture zone on the 130 acres on the East Bank. Um, let's remember that. 50% of the local portion is still going to go to the general fund. Um, so it's not hundred percent going to the stadium. And I would also remind folks that two thirds of the sales tax is from the state. And so when you think about the local portion there, um, about one third of the sales tax is the local portion. And half of that is going to the stadium. Half is going back to the general fund uh, for us to be able to use on other priorities. As for the state piece, um, $500 million from, from the state valued partners that recognize the potential um, that a new stadium would bring for the, for, for the city and for the state. Um, those funds were not available to Nashville for any other purpose. Mayor Cooper has consistently and persistently advocated um, for more funding for our schools via the new, um, the new TISA formula. Um, that's not happened. Uh, we, we, we would, much rather spend the half a billion from the state on our schools or public safety or transportation, um, that is not possible. And so then it comes down to, are you gonna turn down funding from the state for this purpose? Or are you gonna work together on a solution that again, reps up the old lease and allows the city um, to use our general fund for kind of more important things. Steve, I have a question for you because Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. I have a question for you. If you if you were to set up shop at 11 a.m. and post go up. at Jaspers, post up. We like we like a good post up. It doesn't happen much anymore in my life, but every now and then I get the I get the the call from the pen and the wife's like, "Go for it." <laughs> doesn't ha doesn't happen <laughs> often, <laughs> but when I do, I am curious. What would you? What's better for you personally? Would you want to sit down at 11 a.m. and finish it again? Let's say time of close, 10 p.m and taking a ride home, of course, parking for free there. Would you want to do NCAA tournament basketball? Would you want to do Sunday of the Masters? Would you want to do a college football Saturday, 11? You could go even deeper. You could go to like 2 a.m. for that one. At which sport? NFL Sunday, I guess, would count as well. Um, what I don't know even what the baseball equivalent would be. Maybe the College World Series and like Tennessee and Vanderbilt are playing. I don't know what the equivalent would be for other from other sports. Maybe softball. Because that thing's super popular. Great year in TV ratings for women's sports, by the way, in college. Which sport are you choosing of all those to post up at a sports bar? Perhaps the next evolution of named Jaspers on West End with free parking. Which one would it be? Um, it would. It would either be. Uh, you know, I hadn't thought of. I hadn't thought of Sunny at the Masters. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. A, that, that's a really good one. Uh, that that's that's a that's an underrated one. Some mimosas, some brunch too. A little different menu on that one as well. Yeah. 
you know, you're 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 doing a little breakfast with the guys who are who are going to be flying home while the leaders are teeing <laughs> off. Uh, that's a that's a long day, man. If you watch from the that, beginning, that is a long. long that, that is a long day. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to go. Uh, I'm gonna have to go like opening weekend of the tournament. I mean, there's there's nothing like it. You especially especially that Thursday and Friday where you have whip around uh, and, and like you're just getting. You know, you're getting every 20 minutes to half hour, you're getting another an, another finish. Um, that's really hard to beat. Real, that's really hard to beat from a from a from just a, a an a sensory overload perspective. It would probably never happen at 11 a.m. But during the Stanley Cup playoffs, you probably could get like a 1 p.m. start time, like a 4 p.m. start time, and like a 7 p.m. start time for like three playoff series. That would be pretty awesome. What's super ironic, considering our guests in the conversation today on the show, I think NFL Sundays might be last on my list. Oh, um, I, I think so too. Uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not because I don't like NFL football. I do. I just don't watch much else other than the Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans. And well, see... As a as a red zone watcher, I know, I know. I could do. I, I you know I could post up and and go. You know, you could do one time with Scott Han- Scott Hansen doing seven hours. You could do one commercial window, free football. One window of red zone is, is all the red zone I can handle. My my I need a break after that. I need to go outside and take deep breaths. Jen for years years was uh, critical of me and uh, my attention deficit uh, loving uh, love of. The red zone, and now it's literally all she can watch. I love the red zone, but in small doses. As mm. my mother taught me, everything in moderation. It's great for the noon window, and that's all you need it for. So I would go college football Saturday and the Masters would be my top two. But like close third is either that Thursday or Friday, probably a Friday because it's a school night. You know, it's not a school night. Like probably Friday. Uh, those three because the wife can get up with the kids on Saturday morning for me because that's a factor here, uh, considering the length of time I'm spending at a bar. Uh, but I would go those th- top three. Then you'd have, you know, it, NFL football, I guess red zone might be behind it. Stanley Cup or NBA playoffs. There's some really good Saturdays or Sundays where you're going to get like morning, noon and night playoff action in the NBA and the NHL on the same day, which is pretty cool. And here's the point. All of this can be done at Jasper's. That's the entire point of this. Just pick a sport, whichever one's your favorite and go to Jasper's, eat some great food, park for free and take a ride share home. Go to Jasper's. One of the uh, one of the things that you hear from uh, from folks is that is that we get really creative around funding solutions, and, and I and I think if the if 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 all of the numbers hit like they're supposed to, I, I agree with you that it is it is largely funded by uh, it is largely funded by tourists and by uh, by things that are, are not going to affect my property taxes things that are not going to affect uh the general fund of the city but we get really creative around stadiums and there's a there's a uh a, a stadium there's a titan stadium uh proposal and then there's a racetrack proposal that just went through the fair board and we get we we, we have all this energy for things like that and there are no, there is no big energy for things like a big transit project or for a big uh for a from a housing something big to address affordable housing or to kind of radically change the scope of you know how how slow sidewalks are built in the city uh you know i mean we we we're really creative when it comes to you know building stadiums football how how can we and 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 I hear this in the in in even people who are people council members who are going to vote for this uh, say this as well. How do we get past that and and get to a level of creativity around issues that are not kind of building something on the banks of the Cumberland? Well, I would just thoroughly disagree with the premise. Um, I I. Uh, you know, applaud you for recognizing that the the funding streams here for the stadium are cre- are creative 
the mayor sort of grew the pie in, in what was available to help solve the problem. And the state being a valued partner here is huge. The hotel and uh, the hotel industry um, making that 1% available uh, in a way that those funding streams are not available, let's say to go to schools. Um, but let me just run down a list of ways that this mayor has been creative on some other topics because I, I just disagree there. So when he ran for mayor, he said, before I raise your property taxes, which of course he did, I wanna make sure that the Music City Center is paying the equivalent of property taxes. And at that time, folks said, oh, that's not possible. Not only do they pay a pilot of about 14.3 million bucks a year that we've tagged for affordable housing to go to the Barnes Fund, the mayor has clawed back over $100 million from downtown tourism, all right? Going to the general fund to support the largest ever investments in, in public schools and public safety. We have in affordable housing, we inherited a situation where we basically just had the Barnes Fund as a tool. We've grown the toolbox. You want to talk about creative. We've created a, 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 a payment in lieu of taxes approach for affordable housing. So traditionally, uh, tax incentives have been a tool for economic development. Well, we're now using that to build affordable housing, including in our downtown core. All right. We've created a participatory budgeting system where residents get to have a say, direct say in sort of neighborhood infrastructure projects, starting with two million bucks in North Nashville. And now we have countywide $10 million plan using ARP funds. The mayor has a $50 million plan for homelessness, biggest, largest plan for homelessness that the city has ever had using um, ARP funds. You look at Burris Hall, partnership public pri private using ARP funds um, to create a business in uh, business incubator at Nashville's oldest HBCU. So obviously stadiums are the sexiest topic in town. It's the easiest to go into. It, 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 it's football. It's pricey. It involves the state. It's fun to talk about. It's complex. I get that. But we can walk and chew gum at, at the same time. And I promise you that sort of creativity within Metro, within our departments, is being focused on all manner of things. I have, have, haven't even touched on the behavioral health stuff going on within the police department and, and you know the co-response stuff. So there are a ton of examples. Um, but yeah, let's, let's keep being creative on all, on all the fronts. How concerned should Nashvillians be about this deal going through, all the money being spent, the development on the East Bank taking place, and then losing control potentially of where all of that money flows and how which directions it goes to the state? I think you're talking about the push for to state have a say or or perhaps control the sports authority. Um, with all the sort of angst and tension and disagreements between the city and the state, there's a lot of partisan nature to that, of course. Um, this project is one of the few things that the city and the state and the private sector are, are in lockstep on. And so um, to kind of in, insinuate that we have this great partnership on the stadium, but oh my gosh, in a few years, that's somehow going to all fall apart because of a few seats on on, on the sports authority. And I'm, I'm not speaking here for as a lobbyist or trying trying to sway the votes up up, up on the Hill, but um, there's a great deal of confidence and there should be a great deal of confidence that the city and the state are going to continue to work together really well with regards to the sports authority and, and these stadiums. This is, a, this is a collaboration between the city and the state if the state in, ends up with a few seats on the sports authority, um, I don't personally see that changing the relationship in, in a detrimental way. But I mean, I, I'm, I've got a list of I got a, I'm, I got a list of stuff here on my board here. I'm looking at that are, are is legislation that's currently aimed at Nashville. Yeah, uh, and, and, I, one. and I, I, the. It doesn't give you it doesn't give you any sort of pause that, for instance, I mean, you've spent I mean, the, your lobbyists have now spent the last two months fighting off uh, an effort to defund the the uh, 
the tax streams that fund that are funding the Music City Center. Uh, it doesn't give you any sort of pause that at some point they're going to be mad at Nashville about X, Y, or Z, and 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 somebody from Sparta is going to screw everything up. <laughs> I, and and come back and uh, and put more of the more of the burden of this back on the city. Well, I think the biggest thing protecting uh, the convention center were the bond covenants. And so the, those revenue streams are kind of spoken for in a legally binding way to go to pay, pay the bonds. And I think the same thing would be the case with, with, with the stadium. The 500 million from the state is also a one-time upfront contribution. And so the notion that they could claw that, that back is, 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 is not going to happen. Um, uh, the hotel tax uh, was something that the, the state and the city both voted in. So feel good about that. Um, and again, I mean, this, this is a partnership between the city and the state, all the reasons that the state chose to make huge investments in the stadium projects is, are the same reasons that they're not going to walk away or, or, or want to harm the project in the future. Uh, it's the economic benefit, both to the city and to the entire, to the entire state. And so in Nashville, we obviously have a tremendous history of, self-governance. Self uh, we've become one of the best cities in, in, in the country with the 40-person council. We'll see how our, our, what, what our future holds with, with, the smaller count, with the smaller council, but we, we, we have a tremendous history with our current sports authority governance in place with our current council. Um, if that changes, I think you have to just have a great deal of faith that uh, there's a productive, strong relationship here between the city and the state on this topic, on this project. Now, there may be a great deal of angst and uncertainty on other things and disagreements, but on this project, the two sides are in lockstep. And um, I, I really don't see a reason that that, that would change. No. Yeah. So uh, let's. We, you've been very gracious with your time. We do appreciate you, man. Um, let, let's sort of wrap um, it up here because there is there is actually even on the the bigger, broader, um, sort of question of like value of football teams in markets, value of professional sports in markets. That's just a kind of a general question that doesn't have a lot of specific answers. There's lots of disagreement on what that value is to 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 certain communities. There's no question that Bridgestone Arena, when built at the time, Gaylord Entertainment Center without a tenant completely changed the dynamic of downtown Nashville for, you know, forever permanently and was a huge value add to the, to the city. There's no question about that. There is a lot of disagreement on football and these teams. What, what would you say? Just we'll, we'll leave everybody with this. Your sort of broad general argument that brand new stadiums and keeping football teams in markets leads to specific economic development and growth for people in the community. What is, what is your argument for that and the case for that? And we'll, we'll leave you with this. Yeah, I think every time the city has invested in itself and in sports and sort of these big projects, it has paid off. So if you look back at you talked about Bridgestone, if you look back at Music City uh, uh, Center, if you look at First Horizon Park, if you look at Geotis, if you look at Nissan, um, every single time that we've stepped up and, and made those big investments, it has paid off. Um I think there's sort of no doubt that being an NFL uh, city is a material advantage to Nashville. Um, there are, you know, peers of ours around the country uh, that in a second would do a deal like like this if they had the the opportunity and the support from the state and, and from the hospitality um, um, industry. Um, and you look at the investment that hoteliers are signing up for a one percent tax on their on their customers in this county, that is a confirmation of the economic benefit that's going to come to the city in terms in terms of demand. Um, but I would remind listeners to, to remember that we're not having this conversation in a vacuum. We're operating in the confines um, of, a, of a lease that was constructed in the late 90s, uh, and, that, and that binds the city. And so um, your, your sort of philosophical question about the value of sports to a city I'm someone who sees the value, and I think most of your listeners do as well. And it's one re reason why two two thirds of the council um, approved the term the term sheet, right? But we're not operating in just a philosophical realm. 
we're starting from the lease. And so then I guess you you're you're at a crossroads where you can say, well, we're we're gonna kind of call their bluff and see if the Titans will leave town. We can vote this deal down and and quote, see how the Titans feel. Um and and I guess that ends up up in court and we'd see how that that see how see how that goes. Um I would say that's not the sort of positive vision that the city was built on. Um, and moving forward, I believe Nashvillians will benefit from having had a mayor that refused to just kick the can down down the road, address the burden facing the city under the current lease, and created a, a better environment on the East Bank uh, and a stadium that, that will keep the Titans here for a generation to come. Ben, thank you so much. We do appreciate it, sir. Thanks for your time, guys. Appreciate it. That was Ben Eagles, of course, of John Cooper's office and, again, representing John Cooper there, senior advisor. What do you make of this entire deal? We've had two conversations now. I'm not sure exactly if if voters have gotten all the details they want. We know that this is going to pass. I I think you and I seem to agree with removing the burden from the general obligation fund, but that I think in the middle of all of this, Steve, is that people are still have a lot of questions about how much of the revenue is going back to the team, how much of the money is going to developers, and how little of the impact may help Nashvillians. I still think those are very valid concerns after listening to both sides of the argument. I I don't have any sort of questions about kind of like the revenue that's going to go back to the team. So I, I was... There's a there's a chart that's out there, and uh, and I'll see if I can get this posted to socials here soon. Uh, kind of explaining the the different tax uh, captures and the different funding mechanisms, and kind of like where all of that money goes. And the criticism is that if this thing goes gangbusters, and so say you develop on the on the east bank of the Cumberland, uh, you ha- you capture kind of all this tax money that you're going to be over capturing. You're going to be overcapturing money and, and putting it in these in these funds that the city doesn't have access to. But one of the things that that I, that I find really interesting in there is that there's an there's an early bond repayment tranche uh, before you even get to kind of the the capital expenditure tranches down in the down in the bottom. Uh, all that to, to say this, the money that's going, the, the, the way the deal is, is set up, the, the money that might be endlessly sitting in a stadium fund, which is, uh, as some have suggested, uh, if the deal goes extremely well, a lot of that would go to repaying, repaying bonds early and removing kind of general indebtedness. Uh, that the city is on the hook for now. Their revenue bonds, they they have streams attached to them. They they affect the city's bond ratings in different ways. But is it is it, it is it same is it similar it, to the Music City Center in that? It, it, I'm not saying specifically here because I'm not an expert on that. But is it similar in that if it goes so well that we can maybe rework the streams a bit to help? Is that is that the layman's way of applying? Well, I mean, so so I, I mean. It's not going to throw off money like Music City Center is, and and that's what that's part of the state criticism right, right now is that th- there's so much money going into Music City Center and it's throwing off these pilots that the city is now using for different things, which which been mentioned in the been mentioned in the uh, uh, because in, we in, paid in the interview. For it. <laughs> well, I mean. I mean, the city also also took all of that risk in the middle of the recession. That's what I'm saying. We pay we paid for it. Yeah. We get the benefits, <laughs> right? And so, uh, and and the state always the, the the view of the state is always well, that's state money, <laughs> and I, look, it's not wrong. Oh, man. It's also it is also an it is also an incredibly annoying point of view. You can only you can only laugh at the current relationship, but but but. I mean, do do I feel do I feel like that there's going to be money locked up there that that could be going el- that could be going elsewhere? I mean, I think ultimately no. the The money that's the money that's structured there is is, is that wouldn't exist for other uses, and that's something that that's something that Ben said. I, I also that can be true. It can also be incredibly frustrating that we can't come up with two billion dollars to 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 do something else. Yeah. 
you know, build a build a workable transit system, for example, for example, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Uh, so here, here's what I would say. And I and I, I I understand everybody's argument on both sides. I understand the details and the minutiae. I understand that a compromise and a deal, which this may not be in some people's eyes, generally speaking, is going to piss off both sides. Like that's what a compromise is. This may not again, this may not be that according to certain folks. I, I am concerned about who this benefits. I am concerned about how it affects my my family. Um, I also am pro sports and and agree with Ben at the end there that says almost every sports decision we've made has been a successful one and has made the city a better place to be for most people or for some people. And the key is how does that that grow outward? Um, I, I think if the Titans just decided out of the goodness of their heart, whether it's through leverage, whether it's through loans, I don't I don't know, maybe not, maybe not with the Fed doing what they did this week, but if the Titans just came up with like another couple hundred million dollars, if they just said, look, we'll push it to a billion and instead of 740 or 840, whatever the number is, if they just pushed it to a billion dollars and said, we're going to chip in a little bit more, we're going to help a little bit more with this, take a little bit more off. I, I think you win the PR battle incredibly fast because what's interesting, you don't think that's true? No, I don't think that's true. I think that, uh, I think that people would see that cynically as a, a way to close the deal. And well, the deal's already closed. Well, so. right. Well, I mean, but PR wise, and the the response that I think the response that you would hear is, well, why couldn't you put that up there? You mean you mean you didn't put your best offer up there to begin with? So here, okay, how I about mean, this? Here, here's the plan, and the Titans and the mayor's office work together on this with the council, which is a lot of moving parts. You vote it down. The Titans know it's going to be voted down. You then chip in a few more bucks. And it's not all that different from how Mayor Cooper negotiated the end of the soccer deal, right? And you do the whole deal. You add a couple hundred million dollars. You take a few hundred do- more dollars off. the. Again, I'm not saying any of this is possible or going to happen. I'm just saying as it's a... It's not as, going to happen. <laughs> no, I know. But like, there's a way to, like, to, to work this whole deal where it seems like it feels like you've negotiated a little bit. Because it does... That's, I think that's one of the biggest arguments against the stadium is it doesn't feel like they came into the, this whole thing with an actual negotiation, right? I mean that they, it felt like it was already approved on on arrival, and it felt like it, it, work it, out it felt details. like it it was already baked. Yeah, right. I mean, right. I mean, the the funding streams that were worked at, that were the, that we're talking about were worked out by the team with the state. Right. I, I mean, the, it wasn't the mayor's office did not negotiate these funding streams. I mean, these were these were these were brought to them. Right. And and there there have been. I, I think it's I think it's accurate to say that the mayor's office has has negotiated with the team about certain protections and, and certain pieces and the and the Titans will tell you this. I mean that that the that the mayor's office has been specific about uh, about how like like in that in that payment chart that I was telling uh, telling you about kind of how things get paid off and protections for the city and and whatever. But I. I uh, th- this was th- this was baked and this was baked and brought to the yep. and and it was and it was baked and brought to the brought to the Bradley administration beforehand. I mean, this is these are these these are these are largely team led initiatives. Well, they have all the leverage as the team. They own the lease, which is legally binding. And I don't think they would ever leave. Like, I don't know where, where are they going to go. Where where are they going to go? Like, uh, I mean, St. Louis. You going to go to St. Louis and move your team to St. Louis? Like, I I I think there is an element of like it's never again. It's never going to happen. Call the bluff to get a little bit more, vote it down, and then on the third vote, vote it, vote it for because you've gotten some a better deal. Uh, that's what people want. It ain't gonna happen. The deal's done. It's gonna go through, no, and, and this and, is what and, we're gonna gonna be stuck with. <laughs> and 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 honestly, I mean, the, the council, the way this is all set up is for council approval or disapproval, and the council should approve or disapprove. But you cannot be in a situation, I think, where you have forty different council members negotiating. New parts of a you know new parts of an incredibly right. complex deal. The the council should either vote up or vote down. That they they you you can't you I can't know. open this up in the council process uh, for a lot of different reasons. The, the least of which is nobody would ever want to do deals with the city again. I mean that that's why we have the the strong mayor system that we have for uh, for, na- for now <laughs> for now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's what a weird time! What a weird time uh, in Nashville. Listen, I think we, I think sports fans. I'm, I would be really curious about a, a Nashville citywide poll and vote on the deal. Uh, I'd be curious how much 
how many of those voters know all the details. And hopefully if you listen to this show, you feel pretty informed about both sides of it and can make up your own mind on it, which was our goal on this, these two episodes to begin with. So I, I would be interested in a measure of intensity uh, of those feelings, because yeah. I think that I, I think that two things can be true. Uh, the the intensity of feeling against the stadium is uh, is much stronger, but that it is it is more broadly it it is broadly supported vocal minority is what you're saying yeah i mean vocal minority is is dismissive in a way that i don't i don't think it it should be i, I, I don't mean, i don't of, mean it that way for the, for the record yeah but. yeah i mean i, I mean I, I think that a, a lot of people have are, are generally anti stadium subsidy well like i said uh, to ben it is not popular when billionaires ask non billionaires yeah. for money it's just not it's never going to be and all the other but big I, billionaires in the NFL don't have haven't done it. But I also don't. No. I also don't think that the 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 vast majority of people here will. Uh, th this this is something that if it's not going to cost them on their on their property taxes, are going to care deeply about. Well, all you big Titans fans in Wilson and Sumner and Williamson and Rutherford County, enjoy your new stadium. <laughs> <laughs> well, and thank you for your money. Yeah, that's true. That, that's that, true. That, that five hundred million. I mean, that's true. And, and I think I said this. I think I said this earlier in the, kind of in the process. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for getting Sumner and and Williamson <laughs> and Rutherford to finally pony up for something oh, in Davidson man. County. Over a hundred counties, they broke it up evenly. It's not that much from Williamson County. They could they could chip in some more. Um, Nine, all right, ninety five counties. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Um, all right, so real quickly here, a recommendation and. Because this is such a complex topic that we've covered the last two weeks where you, you don't really know what's the real information and what's the real data. And that's sort of what we're trying to accomplish is find out what those real numbers are. In light of that, I listen to, first of all, I am obsessed with Kara Swisher. I know you're a big fan of Kara Swisher. Um, she is arguably the best tech reporter maybe ever in, in the history of like Silicon Valley. She's up there among some of the best and well -sourced. I think she's the I think she's I think she's the best tech podcaster and interviewer. Well, and she's been covering the beat as long as anybody. I mean, she's yeah. been on it for over twenty five years. Like this the, is this the, goes back the, to the, the internet like, in the nineties. So the 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 depth of her knowledge is tremendous, and so and, she, and shows up frequently. She does a pod called On with Kara Swisher. I recommend it. Uh, she did an interview at South by Southwest with um, Kevin Win Winstrom, I believe, or I can't remember his last name. I should remember his last name. Um, he is the the founder and inventor and co creator of Instagram. Uh, who on the show, by the way, said. It has lost its soul, which I which I appreciate because it's true. Um, but he's been out of 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 tech, out of development for a long time because once they sold and Zuckerberg took over Instagram, it started going down the path it's gone down. And and he is actually far more a Steve Jobs sort of ethically driven entrepreneur than a lot of these other guys. Uh, Musk, Bezos, an easy position to have with the hundreds of millions yeah, right. that he has from the sale well, of Instagram. And, and well, and this is what I think this is what made Steve Jobs. So, so much of Steve Jobs is that you, there is an ethical standard in that he that he adheres to that's different. Like he's a part of a, a larger ecosystem where I don't think Zuckerberg or Musk or even sometimes Bill Gates or any of these other guys have kind of considered. Anyway, he launched a new app called Artifact. It's his first project since Instagram. And Artifact, he, he basically asks, <laughs> what's wrong with social media? Well, the social part, because a long time ago, we decided our friends and family were the best people to give us recommendations about real information and whoever's the loudest at driving engagement. And those two things are not good sources of information. Whoever's the loudest and most obnoxious and your aunt, those are not the people that are the trusted <laughs> sources of information. So he has built a, an app called Artifact, and I have been spending some time on it the last week. It, it allows you to, with AI machine learning and no social interaction and a curated set of sources that deliver quality information. Fox News is on there, but Breitbart is not. TMZ is not on there because they source their information unethically to some degree. And you can prioritize your topics and you basically get the internet funneled down to you with qualified sources, real information. If it's misinformation, they remove it. If it's like, it, it, there's no interaction. I'm not sharing stuff on tweets. I'm not posting on Instagram. It is about me consuming real information. It's actually very interesting. Now, I recommend people spending some time on it. However, when asked how he's going to monetize it, his his answer was, I have no idea. 
<laughs> so, so you know it's for the better good right now because he ain't making a penny on it right now. So we'll see what happens. Go check it out. It's he's, really he, interesting. He's going to make money on it at some point. Yes, it, it is very. I'm telling you, dude, it's it's fantastic. I, I spent about 15 that's good. I'll play. Uh, I'll play. I have not. I have. N- I read an article about this, but I have not played with it yet. That's good to know. Sistrum is his last name. Kevin Sistrum. Um, Kevin Sistrum. It, there you go. Really worth listening to the interview, and then go listen, and then go check out Artifact. So, uh, I have. I, I want to recommend one story to you. Uh, well, and 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 a TV show we just started. Uh, if you haven't seen the promos for Lucky Hank, oh, I have not. Uh, which is the new Bob Odenkirk uh, um, show? It's on AMC. It is delightful it's it's based on um it's based on a very good book uh hank is a uh it's a it's a he's an english professor at a he describes this way in the in the opening uh in in the opening uh, episode a mediocre (laughs) midwest college uh here's Uh, here's a tweet from amc hank's a man of many talents including being kind of a dick yeah there you go. Uh, he it is uh it is, Odenkirk is hilarious. Uh, if you're if you're if you need a if you need a fix after um, Better Call Saul having is, has gone off the air, uh, this is this is your way to get it. The writing's great. The cast is excellent. Um, I've I've only seen the first episode, but I'm in. It's funny. It's funny and well written. And um, okay, uh, you 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 should definitely pick it up. Uh, are you excited about story wanna... are, are you excited about succession coming back? Final season on Sunday. Get started. Can't wait. I'm more Can't excited wait. because they said it's the last season. If this were, Can't I wait. would be less excited about it. Um, Logan honestly, must die. Logan must die. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. I would be less excited about it if I knew that there were they, they had like six seasons. Um, because, because I was getting a little fatigue at the end of the last season. Oh, I'm not. But now I want to see how they land the plane. I, I agree with that, but I do love it. It's a brilliant show. Here's the question. Will Will Logan Roy have to admit in open court that he knew all of his anchors were lying on the air? That's what I'd like to know. Tune in and find out. <laughs> uh, story that I really want to recommend. One of my favorite writers and maybe the best sports columnist in the country is a person named Sally Jenkins. She writes for the Washington yeah. Post. Yeah. Has for a long time. Uh, we've mentioned her before. Her dad was Dan Jenkins, the the maybe the best golf writer that the uh, that we've ever had. No no uh, relation no relation to also one of the greatest writers sports writers of our time, Lee Jenkins from Vanderbilt University. Correct. So uh, Sally has a piece up on the post, and the headline is. The surfer, the scientist, and the big wave beach at a breaking point. You now this has your, like four you or five of surf, my you love surfing uh, shit. Dude. My favorite things in it, and and not the least of which is surfing at Mavericks. <laughs> you love that shit. Uh, and in it, she she spends a lot of time with a surfer named Grant Washburn, who's a big wave surfer out there. And Sally's just she's she's a fantastic writer. I mean, she's so good. Uh, she's so descriptive, and she uh, she is uh, is talking to Washburn about grappling with the effects of climate change on this thing that he loves, and how climate change has affected uh, swells and uh, and uh, the kinds of storms that they get, and all of these kinds of things. In this spot that you know, thirty years ago, nobody nobody knew about except just a few, you know, just a few really committed surfers. Um, the explanation of how waves form uh, in it is just fantastic. If you're if you're not into surfing and you've never if, and you never sort of understood this, you know, her explanation for, to the layman about how. Uh, how surfing hap- how surfing happens and how these waves are formed is is just fantastic um it, it's just one of the best things i've one of the best things i've read in a while uh, it's called the surfer the scientist and the big wave beach at the breaking point is is mavericks the one in the big in big sur out there like in northern california where john, uh, it, it, john krakauer wrote about it's it it's off half moon bay okay um, I, I think john krakauer who's probably my favorite author ever ever um 
I think he wrote a story about some people dying there. Yeah, uh, I mean, like in the early mid mid nineties, maybe or something like yeah, that. There have been so. accidents at Mavericks before. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's a gnarly place to surf. You have to. I mean, the best stuff breaks about a uh, between a quarter and a half mile off the coast. You have to surf out to it. It's very uh, dangerous. <laughs> it's very dangerous because, and, yeah. and this is part of the explanation, is the seafloor goes from you know a hundred between a hundred and two hundred feet deep to about twenty feet deep, and you know the the momentum and energy Hence uh, coming <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's, a, it's a Dawes song, uh, and it uh, <laughs> and uh, comes in and 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 creates these creates these waves. But it's incredibly dangerous if you end up on the seafloor there because it is, you know, it is rock that it has been there for millions of years, and as yeah. uh, very, as Washburn says, will outlive our species. And it's very pointy, <laughs> very sharp. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's probably a great story that's got a little bit of everything. Um, okay. We appreciate Ben for joining us. Go to Jasper's by the way, cause Ben will probably be there hanging out. Like well, I never just, know. Just hanging out on a, never hanging know. out on a, a Tuesday afternoon. He's got nothing. Look, they're not running for reelection. He's got nothing to worry about. He's fine. It's all good. He's, he's like, he's like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to the office on West end. <laughs> just, just post up there at the bar. Look, they're not running for re-election. This stadium deal is going to pass. What else has he got to do? Nothing. There's nothing else going on in Nashville. It's fine. There's nothing else. Nothing left. else happening. Go to Jasper's. Uh, free parking. Watch basketball. Watch Masters. Watch football. Watch College World Series. Watch whatever else you want because it's a great place to go watch. It's got something for everything. everybody. You guys know the deal. Um, it, you can go with the spouse. You can go with the kids. You can go with your buddies. You can go lunch. You can go happy hour. You can go weekends. You can go brunch. You can do anything you want at Jasper's, man. Uh, and you will never pay for parking or for any of the games in the game room. So make sure you go to Jasper's. Um, we got lots more stuff coming for you guys on Lamestream. So super excited about the new about all you new folks who are listening. We we do appreciate you checking in. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. For those of you who are listening at this point, tell somebody about the show because that means you're a, an avid and loyal listener and we love you for it. So thank you so much for hanging out with us. For Steve Cavendish, I am Braden Gall. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>